One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. So great to have everybody along. Thanks for uh, hanging with us in the replay last week. I, I thought it was apropos. Uh, as that that lead-in music, for these, those of you that uh, don't know, that lead-in music is by a group called The Party that uh, I've been the executive producer of. Uh, and we had their 30th anniversary on Monday of our very first album dropping. So that's how long I've been uh, with the group and, and how long uh, th this music's been around for us. So uh, congratulations to them, 30 years. Uh, and it, we've got some pretty exciting announcements coming up, but there's some merchandise that was just launched for the party, uh, which you can go to mmcreunion.com and check out the 30th anniversary stuff, all handpicked and, and created by our man, Chase Hampton, who was uh, on the interview last week of the replay. I think that was like four years ago, but we had Damon and Chase on the show. So today we've got an incredible show, and I'm so excited to talk to this gentleman. He's, he's known as the bucket list guy, and he's the world's number one bucket list expert. As a self-appointed bucket listologist, he helps people live their bucket list before it's too late. His unique life engagement message really wakes you up, stops Groundhog Days, and helps you to experience more fulfillment. He says a bucket list is a tangible life plan where our business plan or career plan should fit into our life plan and not the other way around. A perfect example of the work-life balance and what we're looking for. Let's bring him to the show, Trav Bell. How you doing, Trav? Hey, Rick. Uh, really, really happy to be on the show, man. Thanks a lot. And so for me, this is the last thing I do on Fridays, right? It's 4 to 5 p.m. for me, and I normally shut down the laptop for, for my own work-life balance. <laughs> and it's first thing Saturday morning for you, man. So thanks for getting up early for us there in Australia. Yeah. So you've got your work-life balance just totally on point. And here I am on a Saturday morning, 7 a.m. here in <laughs> Melbourne, Australia, talking to the great man, Rick Morris. Uh, uh, so my life balance has gone out the window, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> really, really stoked to really like I'm on a lot of podcasts, right? And I lot on a lot of shows and a lot of interviews. But what I love, honestly, mate, what I love talking about is this concept of work life balance because it's been thrown into <laughs> a cyclone lately. Well, for sure. And for me as well, you, you know, I always say that work life balance technically doesn't exist. You just have to love what you do, right? You have to love what you do where it doesn't feel like work. Um, but even, you know, 2020, you know, 2019 is probably one of my biggest years. 2020, I actually named as the year of transition, right? So I always pick a word <laughs> at the beginning of the year, had no idea what I was saying uh, when I said that. But um, was it transition? It, it, my year was, was going to be 2020 as well. It was kind of, it rolled off the tongue in around January, didn't it? Yeah. And then um, it, it did transition us though. But I don't think in the way that we wanted to do. <laughs> so, no, for sure. I, oh I watched God. a quarter of a million uh, dollars of speaking engagements go away. I had walked away from my number one revenue source in December as a decision, again, January being transition. Uh, and yeah, it, all that's done is clear the deck. Cause I think the people that are working the hardest right now, uh, you know, I've been a firm believer of whatever work I put in today is what's going to pay off six months from now. It's yeah, it's not, yeah, sure. there's no immediate gratification as an entrepreneur. So how did you become the bucket list guy? Like, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there's not a lot of bucket list going on at the moment. Well, there is, and I'll, I'll get into that. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll share that. I, I've been a speaker 
a professional speaker for the last 10 years. So um, prior to that, I was that real, real quick backstory. My first business straight out of university, I started personal fitness training back in the early nineties when there wasn't this industry of personal trainers. I was one of the first personal trainers running around Australia. I found, started with one client, took it up to tens of thousands of clients around Australia, nearly 2 million personal training sessions. Um, founded and franchised the first first personal training business in Australia, helped heaps of people, heaps of personal trainers got jobs. Um, but I, and I love, I've always loved helping people, but I wanted to help people, you know, in life more than just health, health and fitness. So I, um, it was a kind of a perfect storm. I found myself, um, things got on top of me. I became someone that I didn't like. There was relationship issues and all sorts of things going on. My little breakdown before breakthrough moment, should I say? Um, I found myself in a, you know, going through a bout of depression, and I found instead of going on heavy antidepressants, you know, and I knew a lot of people like that, kind of walking around like zombies, you know, not really being themselves. I'm like, yep, that's a bit of a band aid fix. It's not really getting to the root cause. So I found myself in personal development courses coming to seminars like like you probably put on, mate, uh, you know, reading the books, going like like getting coaches, mentors, really forcing myself to get to the root cause and really seek. And I've always been fascinated with psychology. It was actually at one of these um, seminars sort of after about a year of pretty intense learning that a friend of mine said, why don't you teach this stuff? And so I'd learned the NLP, I learned psych- positive psychology, I learned how to be a coach to life coaches, all this sort of stuff, and it helped me compartmentalise what I was going through. You know, again, shorter story long, um, I, uh, I then went on and put on a seminar and it was crap compared to what I do now. Sure. I nearly had to pay the 40 people. It was my first public seminar and I even tried to do this selling at the back of the room thing you know what I mean yeah. and oh, that, yeah. that was that was a disaster and um but I in that seminar I had about 40 people there and I you know packaging everything that I knew and one thing I shared with the group was the fact that I'd had a list to do before I die actually written down since I was 18 and this is about 10 years ago. I'm 47 now. This is when I, you know, it was 10 years ago. It's so about 35, 37 years of age. I, I kind of put on this talk and I, um, I, I shared it with the room and, and then it really inspired the group. Um, it was my reason for getting out of bed in the morning, what drove me through my depression. Um, it helped me create a light at the end of the tunnel and, you help me live, you know, more on purpose with more meaning and fulfillment and be happier. And um, so I shared this with the group and, and then someone at the end of it, Joe, one of the clients there at the time said, oh, how's all this list to be, do before you die stuff? It's like the bucket list. You're, you're like the bucket list guy. And I went, yeah. light bulb moment. I went home and registered the, the domain name, thebucketlistguy.com. And um, I've been doing that ever since, literally running around the world doing my bucket list. And, uh, helping others to go after theirs before they get given a use by date, just like the movie. So that's, I mean, that's a lot of your, your entrepreneurial journey as well. What is, what is one of those uh, outside of the depression side? What's one of the biggest failures you really felt like you had to overcome in order to really develop as an entrepreneur? You know, that's a really good question. I, I, one of the failures or one of the areas that I, I, I reckon I had to work on was my ego. 
I made ego-based decisions, not smart decisions. Um, so I did a lot of work around that. And um, I still, you know, there's flashes of it in, in what I do now, but uh, not, not to the extent and not to the competitive extent that I was doing it back then. I was all ego and bravado and uh, it didn't serve me well. Um, so I look at that as a, as a massive learning, not so much of, as a failure, but I guess one of the other learnings, one of the other failures was letting toxic people into my life, you know, to control my life and to have more of an influence over me than I, um, I would have liked. And so that, that contributed towards a downward spiral, you know, and, you know, I didn't travel. I didn't do my bucket list for uh, a lot of those years. And, you know, I, I sacrificed my happiness to enjoy later, but that, you know, that later I just, I, I had to draw that line in the sand, make the decision. When I decided to become the bucket list guy, I gave, I gave all my franchisees at the time, six months, changed their own brand, changed to, you know, changed their own brand. You know, I sold off my, my the, the personal training studios that I owned uh, with staff, with team, and uh, just had to go, you know what, cut my losses and go towards something that, that was even what I do now is even more congruent to what I was doing back then. So you said you had let some toxic people into your life. Looking back at that now and knowing what you know and, and kind of gone through, um, yep. why would you say you allowed them to come into your life? Oh, because I, I was insecure. I was insecure in amongst it all. I mean, and, and, and I, I wasn't hard and fast on my own values, on my own standards, you know, on my own barrier, you know, my own boundaries. And uh, when you are not, um, you know, people create them for you. Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the work-life balance. Thanks to our engineering team there to see that uh, my internet had frozen and thrown us to break. So we're back, we're ready, and uh, hopefully we're stable at this point. So Trav, we were talking about you know toxic people. I think you and I have a lot of similarities. And first of all, mm. sa- same age. Uh, for me, it was uh, I-, I would say ego was my number one thing as well. It, yeah, I started in business, got quite successful, and then I would make what I call career limiting moves. And if I go back and really analyze what those were. Um, they were generally ego driven. I, I had to be right, yeah. or it had to be my idea, whatever that is. Um, even all the way yeah. up until about 2014. Uh, and I want to talk about the coaching industry here for a moment because you know, sure? a lot of people had said, you know, for me to get a coach. And ego wise, I was like, yeah, I'm running a you know seven figure business. I don't know what I need a coach for uh, until I didn't have that seven figure business. And uh, I finally uh, aligned myself with John Maxwell. Uh, and oh, yeah. the John Maxwell team and became certified through, through a gentleman by the name of Christian Simpson. And yeah. uh, it's changed everything. And so my question yeah. is, is what, why do you think there's so many misconceptions about the coaching business and about life coaching in, in general? Well, yeah, it's um, a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the, the stupid thing about being an entrepreneur is we think we've got to put the cape on every morning and go out, you know, go out and, and tackle our, uh, you know, be the, be the solution that flies in on every problem known to man. And there's a lot of ego around that, that superhero-dom um, of what an entrepreneur should be, you know. And the best entrepreneurs, as you know, probably now more than ever, Rick, is the, the best entrepreneurs in the world are the people that ask for help the most from smarter people than them. Yeah. But... That's not the small business mantra. That's not the the kind of uh, brave out there in front entrepreneur image that we all have, unfortunately. Um, so there's a lot of ego around it, and it's I think it's even exacerbated more with with, with social media, you know, because you've got to be the front man or front front woman and have the opinion, be seen, be the the pinup boy or girl for your for your business or for your industry, and uh, trying to get that cut through takes a takes a fair bit of personality, and with that personality comes ego too. I think social media was a good call out on that. There's so many people. Oh, just signed a seven figure deal. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't sign. I, that deal. I tell yeah. you what, I am sick to. I, I, with respect, I know you just said it, but I don't care how many s- figures you've got in your business. Right. It's all about profit. That's right. Like, I don't care how much you, know, you could have 10 figures, don't care. But if you've got 10 figures of expenses as well, it means nothing. That's right. That's right. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, no, so I, I have several people that, uh, that I coach, they'll say, oh, so-and-so just got this. I'm not doing it. And I was like, they didn't do that. They didn't get Dude. it. Like if, if we, and my favorite thing to do is call and go, well, how did you do that? How did you land that? How did you get that? And there's no answers. And I was like, so, yeah. but, but I know that because I fell into that trap early on as an entrepreneur as well. We all have, we all have. Look, look, come back to your question about coaching. I, you know, I've, I'm, 
in in some form or another, I'm always personally, I'm always outsourcing, you know, and I'm getting better and better and better at it. Um, whether it be through a book, you know, learning from someone else that I can't get access to, whether it be getting a coach, being part of a, a high level mastermind or a mentor group or, you know, um, going to a seminar, that's all a way of getting more and more help. And I think as an entrepreneur, you've got to be an avid learner, right? You've got to be always open to being coached. Yeah. And, and admit to yourself that you don't know everything, you know, and, and there's different stages. You know, in the last, especially in the last two and a half years, I've had to learn how to be a global entrepreneur, you know, to run a run a global business with our coaching business. And and that's a whole other <laughs> a whole other, yeah. you know, kettle of fish, box of dice, whatever they say. <laughs> um, there's a whole other level of learning. So I'm getting around I'm getting around, I'm learning from and milking the information and, and the psychology that goes along with being a global CEO, you know, rather than just small business mindset rather than just being a speaker or a standalone single person operator in terms of a coach, you know, or a thought leader. So it's a different business model, different skills, different psychology. You've got to be open to be coached. So the great Seth Godin said, um, you know, he asked me a question one time, are you a, a entrepreneur or a freelancer? And I, I didn't really know the difference. He said, well, an entrepreneur yeah. builds a business with other people's money and hires smart people gets out of the way. A freelancer trades their time and knowledge for money. And he goes, there's no right or wrong answer. You just can't be both. No. And that's, no, that's been very difficult for basically you. consultant. Yeah, consultant. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, an entrepreneur, you know, the, the uh, uh, an entrepreneur, you know, what is it? Uh, Brad Sugar's uh, action coach says, uh, you know, a business, uh, the definition of a successful business is a commercial profitable enterprise that works without you. Wow. I like that. Mm. So coming back to your specific business, um, what exactly, you know, why, why would a bucket list even be important? What do you tell to, to your people? Oh, look, um, it's not important to a lot of people, to be honest, but it's very important to others. So I've been talking about this bucket list concept for 10 years since I became <laughs> the bucket list guy. And <clears throat> I've always stayed in that lane, you know, pick a highway, pick a lane, then own the lane. You know, Rick, uh, as you can appreciate with the entrepreneurial journey, uh, when I re registered the bucket list guy, I was like on the Google machine. I'm like, who's searching? Who's like the Mac daddy? Who's like the king? Who's like the world's number one expert? Look, no one. So I literally called myself the world's number one bucket list expert. There it you is. just read it out before in my bio, man. So, so stuff it. No one else has taken that mantra. So, so that's 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 the story of my life, man. I I, I throw myself in the deep deep end and learn how to swim. Um, but I've been, you know, why I love it is I've been so I'm so congruent with my business. I'm so congruent with the brand. The brand is me and it's an extension of my values is there is really no difference between me and that. Um, and uh, going back to, what was your question again? Um, Just why is the bucket list important? Yeah. So, so why it's important is because I'm in a way through this effectively coaching my former self who went through depression. 
right? Yeah. So it's the creation of programs, um, coaching programs, seminars, and now we've got licensed certified bucket list coaches in 22 countries around the world teaching this stuff. And it's all, most of it's all, for the majority, it's based on positive psychology. And positive psychology is the science of happiness, right? The science of fulfillment, the science of having more, you know, allowing people to experience more meaning, more purpose and more fulfillment in their life and be more grateful and more mindful, right? But rather than going out there and saying, hey, we're, we're positive psychologists or we're masters of NLP here, I've put this brand of bucket list over the top of it to make it more appealing to kids, you know, to teenagers, to, to the everyday person, to get these personal development tools out into markets that um, would seemingly be shut off to people that went out and called themselves you know, life coaches. I'm a, I'm a coach to life coaches, but I don't, I still don't call myself a life coach because sure. the brand of life coaching gets a little bit, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's met with skepticism, right? It's largely intangible. So we're trying to make the intangible tangible through this brand of bucket list and yeah, bucket list is important to a lot of people. So I say, like you said before, a bucket list is a tangible life plan where our career plan or our business plan should fit into our life plan, not be the other way around. So I'm, so myself, before licensing this out around the world, I myself has, have been a big proponent of the work-to-live principle. And it's not about work-life balance, I hate to say. It's about work-life blend now, Sure. right? So, because nothing ever balances, and you said it, you know, nothing ever balances. It means, you know, if you're trying to grow a business, that's nothing balanced. If you're trying to get laid, you know, oh, sorry, no, no, no. form a meaningful relationship, <laughs> um, yeah, then nothing ever balances. You're doing whatever it takes. Right. Um, if you're trying to make money, you know, like it's the same sort of thing. And maybe you can look at that later down the track, but there's that really intense, obsessive period, right? So at the end of the day, um, bucket list is my spin on, on getting this out to uh, these tools out to people so they can live a life of more meaning, more purpose, more fulfillment, be happier, have a regret free life rather than regret full life, be more engaged in their life and therefore more engaged in their business as well, or, or in their career, because I've seen the direct result, you know, look at, I've given talks and, I, you know, there's depressed people. There's people going through anxiety. There's people on suicide watch. There's people, you know, we've got this thing and it's a real thing called the loneliness epidemic. Google it. It's a real thing, right? It's the adverse effect of social media. Our, the mental health of the planet, especially at the time of this taping with COVID-19, the, the mental health of the planet is in disarray. It is so bad and it was already bad, Right. So with the stats climbing up, with the amount of, uh, you know, disengagement, you know, disengagement in America is something like 87% of people. That's 87% of people who go to work every day don't like what they do. Yeah. Like, dude, you do that for 40 years, really? And then you retire to have one, two, maybe 10 good years and then you're gone? Like that, that, that sacrificing happiness now to enjoy later that is a myth. That is the matrix waiting till some day or that perfect time to do your bucket list or, or I want to wake people up 
before they get given a use-by date at the end of the day. That's why it's important. So you said that positive psychology, is that influenced like by Shirzar Charmaine or like what are some of the influences that you're drawing from? Oh, Tel Ben-Shahar. I was, I mean, um, he worked under Martin Seligman, who's the, the, the Don, I guess, of uh, positive psychology. We've got, you know, I'd had on my podcast yesterday, not yesterday, the day before, Dr. Happy, Dr. Timothy Sharp, um, who's one of the preeminent guys here in Australia. You know, it's become, it's become more of a movement. Rather than doing regressive psychology with people, where regressive or typical clinical psychology is about helping people be normal again, you know, and who the hell wants to be normal, especially Nobody when you go into a corporate, yeah. no one. Um, but, and that's, you know, we have drugs, we have all sorts of things to get us normal so we can function in a society. That's what's, that's why psychology kind of exists or traditional psychology, but positive psychology works with the people, works with the person's strengths, works with what they're good at works with what brings them meaning, purpose and happiness and gets them to do more of that so they perform better and they go to another level in their life and help them be more mindful, more present and more grateful. And that really works well in the corporate setting. So um, that takes a lot of explanation. Bucket list for us is more of a fun brand that, that we put over the top of it. But when we go run programs, when we go run programs, we... Uh, you know, unpack all of what I'm saying right now um, in a more of a tangible and fun way. So what's one major tip that, that you go to? And we got about two and a half minutes to break. Um, yeah. When you say how to create more meaning, purpose or fulfillment in their life, what's what's one of your kind of go-to um, quick hit items that you teach? Oh, people? look, real easy. I want everyone who's listening, watching, you know, uh, right now it is, is to take time out of their life like this weekend right to to write their bucket list down how about that yeah it, like if you actually and you probably know this already rick but if you actually stop take time out of your life to work on your life and you actually write stuff down you've got a 42 percent more likelihood of them actually manifesting of, of, of things actually have you know showing up in your life 42 percent. so you might as well write this stuff down because you're halfway there see right now People are so busy being busy. It's like this weird badge of honor that we, you, uh, I always, are you bragging or complaining? Like yeah. <laughs> so everyone's busy. Are you good busy or bad busy? But, you know, so, and, and we're busy on our to-do lists, not, a, not on our bucket list. All right. It's only until something traumatic or dramatic happens to us or a loved one, or there's a diagnosis somewhere, then suddenly people shift on their priorities. Sometimes, you know, suddenly a bucket list becomes of utmost importance and people become infinitely resourceful around their time and money to go after the things that they truly want to go after. But it takes a diagnosis for people to do that. I wrote the, I wrote a book called no day, but today because of, of that very reason, go. why do you, why do you copy? have to wait to get sick? Oh, absolutely. I'll send a copy. Um, yeah. Why would, uh, why wait for the diagnosis? Why wait, you know, for, for that big thing to say, I wish I had of, um, and so it's not even a morbid thought, but I get people to think about how I would want to be remembered at my funeral. So what am I doing yeah. today to live up to that standard? Like I have yeah, to start yeah. today in order to get to that standard of, of where I want to be. So when we come back, I'd really love to hear some of your personal bucket list stories. We're going to do that right after the break. <laughs> oh, We're <dear>. visiting <laughs> with the bucket list guy, uh, Trav Bell. We'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance.
Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. At the Work-Life Balance, we like to ask simple questions to our executives and portfolio managers. Are you picking your projects based on what the organization can spend, or is it based on what your resources can realistically achieve? This question, if not answered properly, can cause great strain on your staff, limiting the return on investment. When creating project selection criteria, does your organization attempt to understand the amount of resources needed to complete the work? Is this done in spreadsheets or at a high level? What if we told you there was a simple and easy solution that was built with resource planning in mind? We call it Resource First from PDWare. Resource First was built with resource planning as its foundation. We have years of experience that proves before a company fine-tunes its project and portfolio management processes. Without a process for resource planning, the best processes and algorithms can fall flat. Resources should be first when deciding the strategy of taking an organization forward. Find out more at pdware.com. Put your people first with Resource First from PDWare. Join us at pdware.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. We're meeting with the bucket list guy, Trav Bell. And what better question to ask the bucket list guy than what are some of the things that you've ticked off? As a matter of fact, you've got a, a sweatshirt on. A lot of people can't see it. But, but tell everybody what your hashtag is and then tell us one of your favorite bucket list stories. Pick it before you kick it. And, it, and it's B for you. All right, ticket before you kick it. So we've we're uh, we've got you know our we've got bucket we've got certified bucket list coaches now in 22 countries around the world. Even in countries where if you actually translate the word bucket list, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> Places like Vietnam and Finland and Germany and but yeah, we're uh, we've got a we've got a tribe, we've got a community of bucket list coaches and what we call bucket listers, who are people who've gone through our programs and people who've seen me speak all around the world now and. I tell you what, I'm I'm challenged every single single day. I'm challenged and inspired by our tribe of bucket listers around the world. It's so cool, man. And um, but for me personally, yeah, they they kind of push me to another level. I mean, is this is this PG or is this R rated you, or M you, plus? You, or? Go, you go how you want to go, man. We're we're us. That's who we are. Okay, well, because there's different levels of bucket lists, right? There's uh, <laughs> I got this. Well, there's three. Um, there's three types of bucket lists, right? There's the future bucket list, which is what everyone thinks a bucket list is and it's all the stuff you want to do in the future. There's also a reverse bucket list. 
a reverse bucket list is your done list. And there's also a, another list called the fuck it list. There's a lot of things <laughs> that yeah. uh, I have done in my life um, that when I go out on stage, I show this like cool video clip of, you know, climbing mountains, surfing big waves, going fast, jumping out of things. And, and I know that half the audience is sitting there going, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to do that shit. So um, if I've sworn, so blame the Australian in me. Um, at, at, at the end of the day, um, the future bucket list is what this is known for. And, um, you know, I, I did a TED talk and I, I did a, TED talk, a TEDx talk a few years ago called Life's Too Short by Trav Bell. And I sort of go through some of my stories on that. Um, and actually doing my TED talk in front of, uh, it was the biggest TEDx stage in Melbourne. Uh, sorry, in Australia, it was two thousand people, uh, and and yeah, that was actually I ticked it off live in front of everyone. Um, look, I've one of the you know I, I've done the bungee jumping, I've done the skydiving, I've done I've done you know surfing at different places all around the world. I've travelled to a bunch of countries. Probably the most I'll give you a a heartfelt one and also a very embarrassing one if you're up for it. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we'll start the heartfelt one. That's better. Um, I grew up here in Ocean Grove, about an hour and a half out of Melbourne here in Australia. And my I'm adopted. My dad is a fitter and turner. He's, um, you know, a, a mechanic, um, a man's man in the unions, same job since he was, you know, from 16 through to retirement. Um, not a big man of emotion. Me, his uh, adopted son, who's a serial entrepreneur. We didn't really speak the same language growing up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I would absolutely understand you. Yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I mean, <clears throat> but but I knew that this riff, you know, we, we had to come together. So I actually wrote on my list to do before I die, the one I had since I was 18. This, uh, the third thing I wrote was do a big hike with dad. Um, both being nature guys, I'm a surfer. He's 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 been in surf life saving and being a, been a surfer his whole life as well. I wanted to do a big hike because I knew that that would connect us. So I went down to uh, I found myself in a four seater airplane with Dad, his two best mates, and me. And uh, and it was we landed this plane um in a in, in the middle of the old growth forest areas in a, a town called tasmania uh, sorry a, a state called tasmania <clears throat> tasmania is the southernmost town uh, southernmost state in australia very cold down there very desolate um but some amazing hiking so the plane uh dropped us off it pissed off <laughs> and our mission the website said pack eight to 15 days worth of food we had to walk back from our drop-off point back to a place called Cockle Creek. Cockle Creek is the southernmost town in Australia and it hangs off the end of Australia. <clears throat> Have you seen the movie Deliverance, Rick? Yes, of course. Yeah, Cockle banjos Creek. Are playing. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. If you hear banjo. banjos playing, run. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah. I'm sure you <laughs> hear it through the hills. Anyway, <laughs> you get the drift. Uh, and um, so we, we ventured off and it was an amazing trip. It took us nine days, but it was about, it was about you know, 500 metres after these nine days um, from, the, from finishing this trip. And we were walking along the boardwalk, boardwalk before we got the group selfies, before we had some food, before we finished the whole thing. And I said, Dad, there's something I've got to tell you. 
I said, mate, doing this walk with with you was on my was on my bucket list. And I'm really glad we did it. And and he was I was walking behind him and he's just going, oh yeah. And I thought there was going to be a big father son Hollywood movie moment. <laughs> We'd embrace and I love you a lot. No, nothing. Dad, not a man of emotion. We had lunch. We did the selfies. We did all that. And he's gone, <clears throat> this is years ago, years, years ago. He's gone, mate, Trevor, what's, what's a bucket list, mate? I've gone, Jesus Christ, mate, it's all, all, it's all the shit you want to do before you die. And, and I saw a twinkle in his eye and he said, I'm glad you put it on there because this has been fucking special. Nice. Still no embrace, mate. I still no hug. Still no movie moment. I'm still waiting. <laughs> Dad, give me some, please. Uh, <laughs> I'm your son. Um, he said, "What else?" We got on the bus back to Hobart, and he said, "Mate, what else? What else is on this list to do? You know, what, what's on this list of yours?" I said, "Don't worry, I'll get back to you." About half, uh, about six months later. I said, oh, you know, there's lots of things on there, Dad. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. About six months later, a friend of mine who I cycle with, Grant, he's a New Zealander. They're even crazier. They're all, they're all mountaineers, and uh, he's a, he's a mountaineer so much so that he's got no toes on his left foot. He lost them from frostbite. I, I swear they all sit, all these mountaineers <laughs> sit around their little Bunsen burner at high camp and compare what limbs they're missing. <laughs> anyway, Grant. Grant said, mate, I know every morning you're talking about this bucket list. We're going to Mount Everest. You know, I know that going to base camp is on your, on your bucket list. I'm like, all right, how much is it? And he said, 15 grand. I go, mate, I haven't got 15 grand. He goes, I, but you'll find a way. You know, when the why is strong enough to how it work itself out, we know this. I really want to go under Ironman, under doing a full Ironman triathlon, going to Mount Everest base camp was the second thing on my list. He said, you'll find a way. And I found a way. Dad, um, you know that bucket list thing that we talked about down in Tassie? Yep. Well, mate, we're going to we're going to Mount Everest. We're going to base camp. Like we, he's gone, right? Shit. And I'm going. We're going through Tibet, and and we're going to the north side. And he's gone, Trev. Where, where the fuck's Tibet? Oh, mate, it's part of China. It's not part of China. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, we went. Went through Beijing, down through Tibet. We went to the northern side of Everest. We were on part of a, uh, a full-on expedition team. You know, 13 guys went to the top. We went to advanced base camp. Um, absolutely phenomenal. He was fine. I was shit with uh, altitude sickness. That's another story. <laughs> Mate, after that, we ticked that off the bucket list. After that, since then, we've done the Kokoda track, which is an Australian, Australian pilgrimage in Papua New Guinea. It's a wartime track. Um, Papua New Guinea, we've done um, uh, the uh, Inca Trail, Machu Picchu on the morning of my 40th birthday, took 10 other bucket listers with us. We, um, and then we did Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa after a game, you know, and a game drive as well with mum as well. And, um, and that actually nearly, nearly killed him. He's, he's now in his 70s. He did that at 71. And we're at high camp at, at Kilimanjaro. And he's gone, Trav. This is it. This is, he had really bad <laughs> altitude sickness. He's gone. I've looked over at him. He was full on grey, and he's he's gone, Trav. No more fucking hills. All right, no more hills. <laughs> this, is, this is killing. But now we're best mates. That's awesome. 
you know, and I've done the Burning Man Festival. I've done Eurovision Song Contest final in Germany, for God's sake. And I think I was the only straight guy at that. Um, (laughs) And, but now it's less, it's, it's, oh, the other funny one. Well, I was, I was also encouraged very heavily uh, to be a nude model for a life drawing class. Nice. I grew up as a swimmer, as a surfer. I'm relatively comfortable in speedos, but that's next level when you take off that last layer and you've got 15 <laughs> people behind easels looking at your at your bits, and, um, and and you're awkwardly just posing, going, "Yep, yep." What's... Are you trying to Are you trying to style it out while you're doing it? Oh, <laughs> I massively, massively look like a freaking idiot. Um, so the thing is. Thing is, and they pay, is the thing, they pay me 50 bucks as well. So it's a bit like a cheap hoe. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, um, but the, um, and you, 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 you go in there, you, you're, um, you're like, I was, I was super nervous. Um, you derobe, you stand there, um, you know, so I know you're going to do this, mate. So I know you're writing this on your bucket list and, and our friends at uh, Voice America are doing the same, our producers and, so, um, Rick, so when you do this on your bucket list, when you're a, not, a, a nude model for an art class, um, so I've got some tips for you. Number one, don't do it in the middle of winter. Of course. Don't do it in the middle of fall. No shit. I, I did anyway. There's some heaters <laughs> in there. There's some heaters in the room. Uh, number two, don't do it in the art studio that's literally next to the coffee shop where you get coffee every single morning, where the gay barista who serves you every single morning actually likes art as well, apparently. <laughs> and let's just say from there, I got a little bit more sugar in my coffee, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and number two, number three is um, make sure that you're the only person there. I, when I talk, I, I, I use this story. I've told it a bunch of times. And I show a picture of me nude when I do a keynote presentations and there's someone else in the room with me. There's someone right next to me. And that person is a younger, hotter girl. I did not know that she was going to be in the room with me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I've derobed. I'm doing my best. It was already awkward. She comes in. I thought, all right, she's going to jump behind an easel here. She's going to get her paintbrush out. No. She undresses. She stands right next to me. I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, shit. And like I said before, um, it was – I had to – you know, I've done the NLPs. I've done the positive psychology. I've done all the psychology, you know, all the courses and stuff like that, all the – you know, and let's just say I had to channel all that stuff to, 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 to talk it down. For sure. If For you know sure. what I mean. It, no, I'm it totally, was the hardest, yeah, I'm totally it was the hardest, hardest pun intended 20 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour of my life. <laughs> and I think uh, we're going to leave it right there and go to break. Oh, no, so don't. we'll let people, <laughs> we're going to take a break. We're going to be visual. right back with Trap Bell on the Work-Life Balance. <laughs> Are 
Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance. And we're back for our final segment of this Friday afternoon with Trav Bell, the bucket list guy, uh, all the way from Australia, live from Australia, uh, even at that. So, uh, Trav, how do people find you? How do people connect with you? Yeah, uh, thebucketlistguy.com is my main website. And if people are interested in um, the bucket list coach side of things, you know, bucketlistcoach.com, they can check that out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram these days is uh, bucketlistguy.travbell or travbell-thebucketlistguy on LinkedIn and Facebook. Awesome. And so what's some of the best advice you've ever received? Wow. The best, the best advice I've ever received. I've got a tattoo that says, if it is to be, it is up to me. There we go. I'm yeah. showing that on, on the screen. It's on my, my right forearm. Um, but, uh, rather than a throwaway line, that really means something to me, you know, be responsible, um, be, uh, you know, be responsible for my own actions, be accountable to myself, take ownership over my own lot in life, um, choose my behaviours. In, in no matter what the situation is, we've all got the power of choice. And we know, we, we've heard it a million times, but honestly, you know, and we're right in the middle of COVID-19, the world is falling, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and there's conspiracy theory everywhere, but I'm in a really happy place because I choose to be. 
you know, choose, I choose happiness and I choose how I, I, um, how I proactively, um, face the world. You know, I'm, you know, and sure we oscillate between, uh, you know, being at, uh, being at the cause versus being at the effect. But I like to think that I'm at the effect of my own life. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've never worked for anyone in my life. And, it, you know, <laughs> I don't, anyway, that's, that's a whole other episode right there. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've always taken responsibility for uh, everything that I've done. And um, so I guess, uh I'm always, I'm always evolving, you know, I'm always learning how to do that better. Um, and, you know, trust others more, delegate more, uh, as this business, as this movement grows and as I grow as well, outsource more to, you know, that, that, uh, I'm not Superman. I, I shouldn't do everything myself. And, uh, overall though, I think the best advice that I've always kind of lived by and learnt is be the example, um, be the example for others to follow. Be the example, be the change that you want to see in in, in life. You know, be the example for your kids. Um, I've got four kids in my life now, and there's no, you know, no better mirror. So be the example. <laughs> Don't just talk about it, but be it. Like live it. Be the example. You know, it was interesting. You were saying in an earlier segment that, you know, people talking about being busy. And I think one of the greatest uh, opportunities for us with COVID is that it's removed the distraction. I, so just speaking personally from my perspective, you know, I was always on planes, always traveling, always, you know, going mm. everywhere to speak. Um, you go to a speak engagement, you really lose three days, right? Every time you got the day out there, the day of, yeah. the day back. Um, and so I, I've been really blessed in, in, in COVID of, of all those distractions. What, what suggestion would you give to people now in the, the time of COVID where, you know, we're not having to run the kids to soccer practice or to, you know, to football practice. Um, and we've got uh, this time to really work on ourselves. Yeah, well, that is, that is it. You know, uh, a lot of people are taking a big collective deep breath in right now, man. And, and they're recalibrating on their happiness. You know, there's a lot of people that have been laid off jobs, um, been retrenched, but there's a lot of people that have also quit because they're just not, they're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're not finding any purpose or meaning. It's not aligning with their values. The, um, the, the downside is, like I said before, the depression statistics. I think depression has doubled in Australia over the course of COVID. Uh, which is scary, um, not to mention the suicides as a result. And not everyone's in a, in a supportive family ecosystem now that we're for, sort of forced into lockdown in certain parts around the world. That's not good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the downside. The upside, there's a lot of families coming together. There is no organised sport. You know, families are actually spending quality time together. Um, we made it a pact in our family with my partner, Tracy and I and the kids that we want to come out of this whole thing better in every single area of our life, business income, as parents, as leaders, as a couple and in our health as well. And so far so good, you know, and I think also on the positive side that people and, and business owners 
are innovating like never before. They're redefining what their new normal is going to be. They're radically collaborating like we're doing right now. They're embracing technology and failing forward faster. Um, you know, one, two, year, three year business plans to go online just had to happen in seven days. I mean, it's just yeah. like, it's just what's happened. Everyone's adapting, innovating. So I'm really excited to see what happens as a result. In the last downturn, Airbnb and, and Uber were created, uh, you know, 2008, you know, after the GFC. So who knows what's going to happen as a result of this? So I'm on the fence, you know, there's some really good stuff happening. There's some horrible stuff happening as well, that I'm always an optimist. And I think um, we're going to be definitely better for it. So I, I had mentioned to you, I've got a mate there uh, in Australia, a really good friend. February, uh, I'm supposed to be coming to Papua New Guinea, uh, working with a, what we call a country transformation team. So oh, wow. now on my bucket list is come do something really, really stupid with Trav Bell. That's, that's, now, that's now happening February 2021. So, Dude. Let's do it. And, we're, and uh, we're, and vice versa. Where about you in the States? I'm in uh, Alabama. Alabama. I've never Literally been there. So there you go. Right where deliverance is. So, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, hey, dear. listen, Trav, we, we've enjoyed having you on, partner. We're going to be watching you from afar. We hope to have you on again soon. You, you come back to us. All right, man. And we'll put that banjo away when I uh, when I come down there. And, uh, yeah, more than welcome. Absolutely. Yeah, come over to Australia, man. Let's do, <laughs> let's do something stupid together. I'm with it. So thanks so much to our guest, Trav Bell. Next week, we're going to have Adam Mendler on. He's the uh, chief executive officer of the Velaz Group, where he's co-founded and oversees ventures across a wide variety of industries. He's going to be sharing his entrepreneurial journey with us and talk about really the mindset of, of some of the leading CEOs, founders, athletes, celebrities, influencers, and other people that he's had an opportunity to work with. Uh, so that's next week. Uh, otherwise, you can always find me at, uh, at Rick A. Morris on Twitter, at Rick A. Morris on Facebook, and or LinkedIn. And as always, we hope that you live your own work-life balance. We'll talk to you next Friday right here on the Voice America Business Network. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.